0: poison ivy is technically venomous not poisonous yes we started yet oh wow we have oh yeah i hate it when brayden does that to me
1: i love when brayden does that to us
0: well it's a good thing that this podcast is full of diverse views (laughs) that's why i'm thinking the same thing (laughs)
1: Welcome Hi. to episode four of the Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up
0: podcast. I'm Donovan. And I'm OT. Uh, we got a pretty good episode here, I think. I think so too. We did a little bit of pre-game this time. All the other ones were completely like, oh, we're recording. Let's start talking. Yeah. This time we have notes and uh, a laptop. Ta-da. Ta-da. So, um...
1: Uh, actually, real quick oh, okay. before we go into this. Okay. Um let us know after listening to, to this podcast if you like a more um, put together kind of where we're going off of like our notes and we have like you know preparation as far as what we're going to say or if you like it better where we're just kind of talking about you know what we found interesting from this week or mm-hmm. um, just some things that we learned experiences we had um, let us know what format you like better for um, sure
0: yeah or well I think that's a great question to ask because I mean We've shown in the past three episodes that we can go into an episode pretty unprepared and just talk about things off the cuff, um, and that's enjoyable for us. And we can we're we're more than happy to keep making that kind of content. But uh, if you uh, if you like what you hear tonight, which should honestly sound pretty similar, mm-hmm. but if you like it, if it's, if it's better for our listeners, then we will we will put in the extra work. So yeah, good point. Um, first off, Donnie, you said that you had. An interesting fact for tonight. Yeah, so... Welcome to Oren and Donnie's (laughs) Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up. Interesting fact segment. (laughs) Um, the...
1: So my interesting fact was about Queen Elizabeth II being a licensed
0: mechanic. Down with the monarchy. Go on.
1: Yeah. But I think after our pre-show talk where we're talking about water lines...
0: Oh! I
1: think that's a way more interesting fact than the Queen Elizabeth thing. Are you
0: going to poach my fact... I think I am. All right, go for it. Um, Yeah, so... We'll save the Queen Elizabeth fact as a titillating uh, preview to another episode. (laughs) Uh, Titillating. That just means it makes you interested in the thing. Okay.
1: Um, Dirty. Yeah, so uh, for the people watching on YouTube, I opened this L. Eight, and it immediately froze. It turned into slush.
0: It was liquid before you opened it. It was
1: liquid before I opened it, and then I opened it, and now it is a slush of AL eight, of the lake one. And so we were talking about water lines where when water lines burst, it's not because they freeze because the ice expands and breaks the pipe. It's because which you think is what it is. Yeah, right? that's what most. You've seen think. ice
0: expand. When it when water freezes it does expand. It does. And that so is you think true. that's what's breaking the pipe.
1: But when water is contained at a certain pressure, it's not going to go below a certain temperature at that pressure so if you have like the the ambient temperature outside is at let's say 21 degrees Mm -hmm. the pipe inside the or the water inside the pipe is going to stay at 32 because that is the lowest temperature can be at a liquid right right but at some point it's going to get below and the pressure is just going to keep building and building and building until eventually it can't hold that temperature anymore the pressure the pipe
0: the pipe can't hold the water yeah yeah, it can't
1: hold the pressure and then it all instantaneously freezes which does break your water line
0: so it so it doesn't slowly and gradually freeze building pressure thus busting the pipe
1: no and that's why it's good if you let your faucets drip whenever it's below freezing outside Mm -hmm. it releases that pressure so if anything your water line your water lines are going to freeze but they're not going to burst. Oh. Because you're releasing the pressure and kind of allowing it to expand and it'll probably it probably freeze unless you have like a pretty heavy flow, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't know until I guess tonight that water lines don't just freeze and then burst. Or I guess they do, but it's not like a gradual freezing and right. expansion. It's, it's a-, just a sudden boom it's frozen and now yeah. it's going to explode
0: because for those of you who don't know this is fascinating, this goes back to my uh, junior year of high school when I took environmental science and um, I learned that, Yeah, I was a nerd in high school, I actually enjoyed my school then but I learned that um, particles and atoms, right the various, the things that make up everything else when they're hot they move around more Mm-hmm. Right, they're more active, and then when they are like a liquid, so, like, so let's say everything this is crazy, this blew my mind. This is not my fact, but it kind of goes into this point, which is uh, so they're active as a gas, right? Everything, everything, even wood, people, concrete, uh, water that's the common example has a gas form, a solid form, and a liquid form, liquid form right? Or Well, I guess you should say a gas form, a liquid form, and then a solid form. Um, and all of those are, are, are um, controlled by temperature, right? Uh, but those little particles inside, as a gas, they're moving around, so they're super loose, and goose, loosey-goosey, right? And so then uh, they're really easy to mold, right? And so they, they don't put as much pressure on things. And then when something goes to a liquid... It all huddles together. It, it gets closer, right? But it's not so close together that... It's, it's impossible to move. It's just close enough together that it's more close together than a gas. So, right, mm-hmm. you know, if you throw your hand through a cloud, it's a lot easier to throw your hand through than throw your hand through, like, water. there's a lot more resistance with water. Right. But then you you reduce even more temperature and something turns into a solid, and then those particles and those atoms slow down almost to not moving at all. Uh, and so then that, that's why it becomes a solid. And I think that's fascinating because... Here's another little extra tip for you, and it's something that I uh, did not know until recently, which means that my educational system failed me, but um, atoms are like 99.9999999 lots of percentages, percent empty space. So they're already the tiniest thing that we know exists, but the majority of of, of what makes up an atom is empty air, like nothing. Because those p- those little particles, those those, uh, what is it? Uh, protons and neutrons. Yeah. But like positive and negative energy particles flying around it, are are so tiny that the majority of the atom, we've got the nucleus and the little particles running around it. Uh, the, but but that that isn't the majority of it. Like it's, it's it's like the distance of like if the sun was the nucleus, and planets were the were the protons and neutrons going around or electrons. I think is what they're called. Anyway, if you guys who are... Terrifying. terrifying. Anyway, if any of you guys are big science nerds, I'm sure that to you what you just heard was a very childish um, understanding and explanation of neutrons and electrons and atoms, but...
1: I need to change my britches. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's scary that bad. Yeah, it just made me mad because it interrupted us. But it was scary. Completely derailed the
1: thought. Um. Well, another fun fact is that shrimp. I forget Wait, what it's called, but their organs. I want it. Okay, fine. Their organs are free floating in blood. What? Yeah. I'll talk more about it next week.
0: Okay. If you want to hear about shrimp's organs free floating in blood, come on next week and listen. Or, if uh, you're listening to this way in the future, just start playing the next episode and this one ends. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so my interesting fact is kind of, to segue, What do you know what also lives in the ocean, besides shrimp? Whales. Whales do live in the ocean. We talked about whales two episodes ago. Dolphins? dolphins. Dolphins, which you could be nerdy and say they're kind of part of the whale family, but they're not. They're not Well, not. They're, they are, but they're, they're not whales. They're dolphins. They're dolphins. They have a specific... Hey, Braden, while I'm telling this, uh, this this thing, could you tell me what family of creatures dolphins are in? I think they are all cetaceans.
1: I think it's... Well, uh, what I was going to say is probably going to going something I was say I think they're mammals. Well, they definitely but are mammals. They're
0: de- yeah, they're definitely mammals. Oh, here's, a, here's another interesting little tidbit. Did you know that because whales are mammals, they have hair? hmm They're not just skin. Just tell me. I can't read from there, brain. Cetacean family. Cetacean. cetacean. Okay, so they are all cetaceans. So, cetacean. It. I wonder though, like what uh, what family dolphins are in? I, our listeners don't care, but my my uh, my my yeah. fact is about dolphins. So, did you know that pufferfish, when they are scared, puff up, right? Yes. Well, they also, if you get. Poked by them, certain species of pufferfish emit a toxic venom. Be a poison. It would, well, no, it'd be a venom. Oh, it would be a venom. If you, if you, okay. Here's another fun fact. Oh man, you guys are getting. I'm, all glad, the fun I'm glad today. we're getting into this. So right now. venom. This for for anyone who knows that venom is deadly when it is injected into your bloodstream via like like a snake biting you and then injecting it into your body. That is venom. Poison. Is ingested, so if you eat it, it's painful. It's, it's deadly. So get this: this may sound crazy, but if you were to swallow rattlesnake venom, you'd be fine. I don't believe you. Be completely fine because it needs to get into your bloodstream, so you could digest. Because when it goes down to your stomach, your stomach acid will reduce the um, the, the the proteins. In the uh, the venom that is just that that will that that tears up your your muscles, but it your, can't be good for you. Well, it might not be good for you, but what I'm saying is it doesn't do what it does when it's in, when it's injected into your bloodstream. Yeah, I believe that. Okay, now get this though: if you have an ulcer in your stomach and you have internal bleeding, and you swallow rattlesnake venom, then it will kill you because it will get into your bloodstream. I believe going. that? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But so poison, you eat it. If something is poisonous. That means it kills you when you eat it, like a mushroom. Like a mushroom, or a poison dart frog. Yeah, that's not a venomous dart frog because they don't they don't they don't stick you with your, their venom. It's not injected. Bees, they are venomous. They are not poisonous. Poison ivy is technically venomous. Yeah, because it gets poisonous. on your, your skin. Yes. It immediately affects. Anyway, so so for those of you out there who are using poisonous and venomous incorrectly, now you know. Or was I? Oh, yes. The pufferfish. <laughs> the pufferfish puffer and the dolphin. So did you know that dolphins <laughs> will play with pufferfish and get this venom on them, and it gives them this, like, toxic neuro buzz, and they get high. They get high on pufferfish. They, the puffer they fish. intentionally recreationally use pufferfish to get Blazed out of their minds Pumpto
1: fish is like the weed dealer of the, of the ocean Yeah, right?
0: I, it's probably more like shrooms Honestly, the like they're the just ocean. like so, Because like, they see, like they never eat it Right, mm-hmm. but they'll go but, but Partially because it's full of spines So why would you want to eat it But instead of just leaving it alone Because like every other normal acting animal That says, oh that's hard to eat So I'm not going to eat it The dolphins learned that it's fun to play with And so they'll be bouncing it with their, their beaks You know, their, their noses, their bottle noses and then rubbing up against it with their faces, and then and then they get all like lethargic and weird. That is crazy. And so I I, I can't remember. If this is this is a YouTube fact, so I can't remember if this is can if this is what science has definitively concluded, or if they like assume because of dolphin behavior before, during, and after encountering a pufferfish, they're like, yeah, it's probably the fact that they're recreationally doping themselves with pufferfish venom.
1: Aren't dolphins extremely similar to humans? Well, I wouldn't call them and, similar to humans. And I guess they're I guess they're really smart. They are really smart, yeah. And so the fact that they just know this astros- but are also
0: able to communicate to each other, like, hey, this will give you this effect. Some people say that if dolphins had thumbs, they'd uh, supplant the human race. Yeah. I don't believe that because they're not created in the image of God, but... Yeah, I don't either, but... But
1: they are smart. They're very smart. They're definitely the people of the ocean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The next uh, step to them would be octopi. You know that? They're really smart. The great escape artists. They are. Did you know that Oct- Camden Shorting, I'm so sorry for the last time we listened. I listened to an episode two with Camden Schwarting, right. and we were going on about animal facts. He was like, what's the point of this? And I was like, just keep <laughs> listening. And then we kept listening, and he said... where's this going and i'm like nowhere it's just animal facts (laughs) i just want to say that platypi have no boobs well we know that they are a boob yes the their whole body is a boob i promise dear listener we don't have a quota for boob in every episode anyway before we can say anything else (laughs) i'm trying not to say something i need to edit out All right, let's get into the meat of this podcast. So I wanted to talk about this last week, but we ended up having such a good discussion about guns and gun safety and gun rights that I didn't want to, you know, inject a random NFL and current cultural, political, and spiritual, uh, you know, climate in America Mm -hmm. topic. But um, so now we're going to talk about it now. I wanted to talk about, for those of you who watched the uh, Monday night football finale between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, um, you noticed, because it was impossible not to, uh, that one of the players took a hit. It was a completely regular hit, he came up, he, ta- he was on the defense, He ta- the Bills defense, he tackled the running back, took him to the ground, stood right up, and then wobbled and fell over, completely out. Um, and so they cleared the field. The the emergency staff came onto the field, and they immediately started doing chest compressions. They took his they, they cut his pads off and everything, and they started doing CPR on the field. Crazy, you know. It pe- people were just like, what the heck happened? Um, so this player's name was Damar Hamlin. Which some of you listening are going to go, yeah, duh, everyone's heard about it, but not everybody's heard about it. Okay, we're not all <laughs> on our phones twenty four seven, but. Um, This player's name is Damar Hamlin, and uh, he... uh, Let me look this up real quick. Bear with me, dear listener. What are you looking at? I'm looking up the condition that they call it because I want to sound smart. Uh, There we go. All right, so... um, Use cardiac arrest. Well, it is cardiac arrest, but there's something specific that it's called. Uh, I won't get into it now. But it was a heart attack. He suffered a heart attack on the field because the the shoulder, like the uh, the um, opponent's shoulder, hit him in the chest. Right, and you actually see this this exact same injury has happened in the uh, hockey league before, where hockey players have taken a puck, you know, right to the chest. Um, and it hits their their chest and compresses their chest on their heart at just the right timing and location to basically short-circuit short, short circuit the heart. Knocks it out of rhythm. It knocks it out of rhythm and turns it off. Yep. So that's what happened to, to DeMar Hamlin. Super scary, you know. Both teams were pretty shook up by it, and, um, and both coaches came to the middle of the field, had a, you know, coach conference went back to their players and they took them back to the locker room and said we're done playing until we find out how our buddy is you know he gets he gets he has a bunch of chest compressions they load him up onto the ambulance and they rush into cincinnati uh uh trauma center you know and they they start working on him and 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 i remember i remember watching that and then and then the next day when i went into work staying online and every hour i'd refresh it because i was like man I really want to make sure that this guy makes it because he was like 24 years old, 23 years old, really young. Is like first or second year in the league. And um, What was really cool about learning about DeMar was um, he's a he's seemingly anyway from the things that his family put out and the things that he put out later on after he recovered. He's still in the hospital, by the way, but he did make a full at least he made a recovery from death um he's alive still in the hospital he's conscious um he's able to you know communicate with his family um you know whether or not he's ever going to be able to or ever wants to play football again is up for question but uh one of the coolest things is he woke up and the first thing he asked the doctors was did we win (laughs) like his mind was still on the game and so they were like and this is what's cool is like nod Damar, you, you won. won. He said, "You <laughs> won the game of life. You got you got extra time." So you cheated death. Yeah, that's right. So, but so that's the cool thing. And then, and then, so Damar, when the next game they played, his team played, um, which was the season finale, uh, was uh, the next week. You know, he watched from his hotel room, or sorry, his hospital room, and uh, he tweeted out. He said, um, "I." really wish that I could be on the field with my team right now, but God's got a bigger plan and he's using me for a different reason right now. And I, I thought that was a really awesome take. And I was like, man, this is, a, this is somebody who really appreciates the life he's been given and, uh, and also understands that there is a power out there greater than himself that's using even his pain and, and hard, hardship for a, a greater good. And I thought that was really encouraging to see that. And it was put out. I remember that, you know, like that, his tweet was aired on national football, um, which, you know, so often you associate being a Christian with like being subverted and, and discouraged by um, national media. Yeah. Uh, but what, what what was so interesting to me is watching uh, the nation react to his injury. You know, and, and, and how serious it was because, you know, we see NFL players go through injury all the time. And we're like, man, hope he recovers well and everything. But this is one of the first times, at least in my memory, where a player went down and his life was in question, like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and everyone else was saying the same thing. Uh, and it was this was a national TV game, you know, so everybody was watching. They had their A, a- team of announcers, they had their A team of sports analysts, you know, for halftime on the panel talking about all this. And so the game shuts down, but the network is still streaming it because they're not sure what's going to happen. And so there's just like this big dead space of like, how are we going to talk about this? And for those analysts, you know, and those, those pundits who are making all the announcements and stuff, it was, it was a hard job. I actually was, I really respected how they went about it because mm-hmm. it would be really easy for them to try and say something. And then get canceled, you know, and it's like somebody get really mad by how they're saying it. Because when you're in your lane of announcing football, that's really easy, you know. You just not to diss on their like they do their job well, but it's easy not to avoid like something that would get you canceled. Your job is just get up there and talk about football, talk about football, talk about the players, talk about what they're doing, you know, how the teams are, everything. Now you've got a player who is injured and his life is in question, but they are still expected to give the people who are watching updates. Uh, and so that was really fascinating for me to watch because I was really curious to see how they were going to handle that. And the thing that I took away from it the most was I probably heard in that first night alone of broadcasting, may please send your thoughts and your prayers to DeMar Hamlin. We are sending our thoughts and our prayers to DeMar Hamlin. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. That statement, thoughts and prayers, were probably uttered Fifty to a hundred times. I might I might be exaggerating, but it really felt like every it, within every sentence, the the term thoughts and prayers was used, uh, and I was kind of at first. My thought was, okay, that's great, and but I was like, man, America especially has this tendency to throw out the term thoughts and prayers. Really easily, but it's meaningless if we aren't saying. Pray to God because thoughts and prayers is, is meaningless and it's useless if we're not praying to an almighty God who has the power to do something about it, you know? Uh, and so I was kind of frustrated in that cause I was like, man, it would be really awesome right now. If one of these broadcasters, which God, it does put them in a tough spot, but I, I thought is it would be awesome if one of these broadcasters would just take the time and be like, what I'd like to do, this is what's on my heart. I want to pray for DeMar Hamlin and then pray because everyone is saying thoughts and prayers, but nobody's Mm brave. It's seemingly like that's, it's really easy to see. I'm sure lots of, I prayed for DeMar Hamlin whenever that happened. I was just like, Hey, I'm going to, if I'm going to be judging these people for calling for thoughts and prayers and not praying myself, I I better do it. You know? So I did earnestly, you know, bow my head and pray. Um, but the next day, um, you know, the every, every NFL sports show in the history, in the, in the, in the whole country. Um, the only topic was Demar and his injury and his recovery and what was going on there. You know, nobody wanted to talk about football because I'm sure there were most people who wanted to, you know, genuinely show their support for Hamlin and his family, but I'm sure, you know, the remaining people, they didn't want to risk sounding like they didn't care. Um, and, um, and so because of that, for the for next two days after that injury, all the sports shows just talked about Demar Hamlin, um, and uh, but this was a really cool opportunity, and uh, Demar, uh, Dan, so on. I can't remember what sports show it was, uh, but I'm sure you could look it up on YouTube, dear listener, if you wanted to. Uh, but this broadcaster, who was a quarterback in the NFL for a long time, and now he's a really successful. He's probably one of my favorite like mainstream. Personalities. His name's Dan Orlovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, he got up and he sat down. He did exactly what I was like hoping for somebody to do uh, during the um, during the whole injury deal. Uh, and he, he sat down. And he said, "Guys, I don't I don't know how this is going to be received, but I feel it in my soul and in my heart that this is the right thing to do." And he said, "So if you would join me, I want to pray for Demar Hamlin." And then he got, you know, he closed his eyes, he bowed his head, he folded his hands, and then he prayed to the Christian God in the name of God for healing and for comfort to this family and for um, the Lord's glory to be seen through this tragedy um, and on national television. And I, was, I, I said, this is what, what what the whole point of me talking about this is one I want to highlight Dan Orlovsky's faithfulness and his Christian faith to shine through and say you know what this is an op- awesome opportunity for me to display my faith mm-hmm. um, regardless of what the the knockback would be and who knows you know maybe he did clear it with his producers before coming out and then say and then make it seem like it was off the cuff but I don't want to be Either way... I don't want to be that critical.
1: He still would have... I mean, he still, like... Viewers really could have... put himself out yeah, there. Yeah, viewers could have...
0: I don't, I don't know if there's any not kickback on it, because to kick back on that, you leave yourself open to criticism of not caring about Damar. Yeah. Um, which leads me to my last point about this whole situation. Um, there's another sports broadcaster, which I don't like at all, because it's a, a clickbait um, channel. It's mm-hmm. like, they they all... They're, they're actors uh, who, like... It's like they're given a topic that they're, like, you need to have opposing views on this as two guys. It's called the, um, oh, heck, I don't even remember what the show's name is called, but it's Skip and Bayless, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. And they sit on opposite sides of the table, kind of like you and I are. Mm-hmm. And then, no matter what topic is, they op- they they just always have the opposite views. And then they argue really hard about it, and they just slander loads of people. That like, sounds that's, stressful. It's it, it, like it's stressful for me to watch. I'm just like, can can none of you just agree that both these players are awesome? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have to hate each other over <laughs> it or whatever? But he had a tweet that said, "Man, I'm praying for Damar Hamlin." Um, and he said. Uh, this is really hard, I wonder how the NFL is going to handle this. And everyone, like, uh, just, not, everyone, uh, theoretically, or online, there's an online crucifixion that happened of Skip Bayless, because it sounded like he was alluding to the fact that now the biggest point in this is still football. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? And and he wasn't. Like, if you were to read the tweet, I wouldn't actually read it before he deleted it. And it was like, it literally was, it wasn't, I wish we could still play football. It was, dang, this is a really important football game now, and it doesn't matter. It was poorly worded, sure, but that was the heart behind it. Well, and him just saying, I
1: wonder how the NFL is going to handle this, I think that's a genuine thing to just wonder, because, I mean, that would speak a lot about the character of the people running yeah, the NFL and I mean if they handled it poorly that would change how much I watch them or what yep. I think of the NFL if they had handled it poorly mm-hmm. and it seems like to me um, as a little of, as little as I've looked into it that they did handle it well Right. as far as you know they didn't complete that game they were like wow this is something really serious a lot of people really shook up about it Yeah. we should just cancel this game DeMar is more important than a football game mm-hmm. um, and I'm glad that's the stance that they took on it and I think for him to say, wow, well, I wonder how the NFL is going to handle this, yeah. that's that's a take that I don't think anybody else had considered yet either. No,
0: and, and or at least they weren't bold enough to sound like they cared about football more than DeMar. Yeah. And and what I, what I hated about it the most is because people were accusing Skip of saying, I don't like him. I don't like the TV personality that he is, right? So, and I'm not saying that that's genuinely who Skip is. I think he's just genuinely a good actor. Yeah. And they, they hire him to have hot and bombastic takes but um so but I, I genuinely disliked the the heat that he got because I felt it was unearned uh, and like what he was saying was a genuine question like you can ask like you can recognize that the game is important to the rest of the sport going on like there were serious playoff implications for that that team and those both those teams and like whoever won that game was going to figure a lot out in the AFC yeah. Uh, for who was going to the playoffs. And so you can say, man, with all these implications on the line, it'll be interesting to see how the NFL reacts to it while we're putting DeMar first. Right. Like, that's not a terrible thing to ask, like you said. and But but people were so quick to I'm just... I'm sure a lot
1: of people were wondering that.
0: Yeah, I was. I was like, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah uh, and yeah. You can say that, <laughs> you know? and uh, But... And I think it just it it put me in this mindset of we're so quick in the United States to say okay as a country we're supporting this, Uh, and if if we see anybody not supporting it, even if they are supporting it but they're saying it in a slightly different way, we gotta crush them and cancel them and silence them, make sure they never speak. People were calling for Skip's job. Yeah, And I was like, his job is to say sensational stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. And to talk about football. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, I would not have, I mean, his studio would never have allowed this because they don't want to lose all of their viewers. But if they knew it wouldn't have lost them viewers, I would not have been surprised if Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp got on the next morning and then one of them disagreed that the, like, that the DeMar Hamlet situation was serious. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what they do. You know, but people were freaking out, and I was like, maybe we just need to take a stop. This kind of you know, harkens back to our second episode where we were talking about, like, people who disagree with you and how you react to them. It's like, man, just take a breath. And, you know, maybe, maybe someone does genuinely hold a radically different view than from you, but that doesn't mean that suddenly the right answer is to ruin their lives for it. Yeah. So, anyway yeah and I was uh, this
1: past week I was listening to the Joe Rogan experience episode mm-hmm. with uh, the CEO of Babylon B. Oh, cool. Um, and kind of in that episode he's talking about how like satire just isn't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know everything is just taken way too seriously, how we can't joke about things. and that even shows like, like not only are we not taking things seriously, that or we're taking things too seriously that are to be funny Mm -hmm. but also going to like where that um what was the guy's name again that you were just talking about skip bayless yes um with skip he was saying something that was serious Mm -hmm. but we're just looking for anything to criticize
0: yes and i think that's what it was like people saw that and they go immediately like oh this is somebody that's not conforming completely to our view of how the damar hamlin situation should be talked about and so we're going to crucify him for it it's
1: almost like they were it's a, i don't want to just say they um yeah it's almost like people were waiting for somebody just anticipating someone to slip up any little bit mm-hmm. so that they could criticize them and then the attention is on them right um all of a sudden mm. they are the victim and they are making themselves in a better more elevated position than somebody who hasn't even done anything wrong
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, and I would agree that he deserved some of the comp- like like kickback if he was saying that he cared more about the game and he was frustrated that DeMar had to just go and get injured. But yep. he wasn't saying that, you know. And so, yeah, the the, the reaction to that was bad. But um, the, the the last takeaway from this whole point that I wanted to get to is kind of a, you know, I referenced it earlier, but is just, I think it's interesting to note that America as a whole, even though it doesn't seem like it on a day-to-day basis, still has a really embedded and ingrained sense of spirituality and a higher power in our culture uh, than I think oftentimes it's perceived to be. Mm-hmm. I think, it's a, I think uh, like even people who identify as agnostic or which an agnostic person believes that there was a creator, but there's no way to possibly know who that was or how it happened or even there's no point to praying to them because they've stepped away from the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, they created Earth, sent it in, and then now... Back in the way. Yeah, back in the way. So there's no point to praying to that person, that God, because they're not going to intercede on your behalf. Right. Um, and, uh, but, I, you know, like, well, for instance, I was watching... <laughs> this is funny. I was, today, I was watching Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. And there's this one. did oh, you do that to yourself? it was on, one of my roommates put it on and we were like halfway through the movie and he looked at me and he was like, are you invested in this at all? and I was like, I mean, kind of, Optimus Prime is dead and now we gotta find a way to bring him back to life yeah, we gotta watch this Yeah. anyway, but there's this character who when I, when, I, when the movie ended, I was like that is a useless character he c- c- contributed nothing mm-hmm. to the." but every time they were in a life-thriving situation he was constantly shouting oh god, I don't want to die oh god, please <laughs> help me, oh god, please like over and over and over again and I was like, "See, that's interesting." There because this is not a Christian movie at all. This is not a Christian character, um, but like this is his reaction. Like when he thought he was going to die, this is what was coming out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Not that he was even believing it. Like what he was saying, like it wasn't that he was crying out to God for salvation in a really knowledgeable, intelligent way. This was, but it was this was the knee jerk reaction. This is how it came out of his mouth, right? That's how they were portraying him in the yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so with with this whole. When Demar Hamlin was out on the field, and they were giving him chest compressions, and the reality of death was shown to the American public. It, was, it, it stopped us from being distracted by our day-to-day comforts and showed us that death exists, and it's a reality for all of us. Uh, and I think when, that, when, we, when I think the only cultures that take atheism seriously are the cultures that can get as far away from death in their day-to-day thinking as possible. Because when you're confronted with death on a day-to-day basis, um, and or not even a day-to-day basis, but, you know, like a regular basis, you know, like people are dying around you from sickness or starvation, mm-hmm. you know, like some of the most rigorously religious cultures are, are poorer cultures that have harder living conditions. And I think those people... And also, cultures like that, churches in those cultures are a lot more robust because they care a lot more about their faith because they understand how real and imminent death is. And so, for the American public who is so separated from death, because we're not not that we're any more separated than anybody else, but it, it can feel that way. We can distract ourselves from its reality. Then we're confronted with it with the MAR possibly dying on the field i think everyone started praying yeah and they didn't even realize it but but it's like okay when things get serious we realize that atheism is not the answer and there has to be more because it's terrifying to go into the next whatever happens after death without knowing what it is and living our lives in reflection of what we believe it is
1: yeah and i think we have so many things in in america and in the american culture that distract us from a lack like the lack of hope yeah if if you are like if you're an an atheist or agnostic and you just like you don't know where you're going after you die you think you're just going to go to nothing Mm -hmm. and so they have the mentality of just living life one day at a time, living every day to the fullest, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to not distract ourselves from the fact that, um, you know, we everybody comes to the end of their life and will face death, and you either have hope in something or you don't have hope in something. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we have hope, um, like in Jesus Christ, that through His sacrifice on the cross and giving us that free gift of salvation, that we will be with Him in eternity. Um and I think with the Damar Hamlin situation, when that all happened, that was where everybody's attention was on. There was nothing else to distract from the fact that this man almost died. Yep. And so everybody is seeking hope. Yeah. Where, so, where's the hope in this? If he right, had, where, died. where's the hope in this? If he had died, would he just go on to nothing? And mm-hmm. no, it's like, all right, well, what what can I me doing? I'm worried for this guy. What can I do, just sitting here? Yeah. And that I think that's what leads people to to, to pray and seek out just some kind of faith in something because and was, they
0: have to we, we have to grasp to something to help because we don't want to see this guy die yeah yeah then uh,
1: because death they, is scary yeah definitely yeah but there's a, a missionary in our church his mm. name is greg mm. um him and his wife serve in africa um but i was talking to him about this a little bit but just they're seeing so much fruit where they're at because they're in a place where you know death is very common and Mm -hmm. you know they don't have much to distract them from that fact but it's just kind of a normal thing yeah so if they if someone gives them any kind of hope they're just going to cling to it um they don't have anything to distract them from hopelessness um and so they're just you know they're they're sharing the truth of the gospel with people and there's nothing deterring them from it, but like the Lord is truly just drawing people to, in in that culture to to know Him and to put the, their faith and trust in Him, and it, it, they're seeing that it is leading to genuine happiness. Whereas here in America, like there are so many things that we try to distract ourselves with, but and it try is, to find it genuine happiness. Never enough.
0: Yeah, it's just enough to make us want the next thing because it was really fun. Yeah, for me, a big thing for that is movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I watch a really good movie or read a good book and it's a good story. It releases all them dopamine, <laughs> you know, hits. And it's just like, this was really fun. And then I'll, like, watch the tar out of that movie. I'll watch it a lot of times. Eventually it it's not as fun. As and the eventually first time. it's not fun. And then you want yeah. the next one to come out. Yeah. And so it's like, and, and, and that's true, I think, for anything, you know, that if you're fighting, you know, some, some would say, you know, for a more important idol, you know, fighting for that job uh, prom- promotion. Or fighting for that job you really want, you know, or whatever. You know, it's like it's going to be awesome when you get it. Yep. But eventually, what's next? Or it's like if I if I
1: only had this amount of money, then I would be happy. You get yeah. to that amount of money, and you're like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, now that I have this amount of money, I think this amount of money would make me more happy. And that's yeah. just, that's not the truth.
0: Or uh, once I travel to this location, or once I visit this site, or for me, like once I go and I fish and I catch this kind of fish, mm-hmm. you know, like. I went and did the sportsman's like utopia trip and fished for an entire summer in Alaska one year. That was awesome. You know, I catched, I I, catched. <laughs> I I caught loads of salmon, loads of different types of salmon, different rivers. I saw grizzly bears, I saw moose, I hiked big mountains. And that's something that's really fulfilling for me. But now I just want to do it again. You know, like I'm not satisfied now that I've done that.
1: That's how I am with my AR. Where it's like, all right, oh, if, yeah. I, if I just get an AR, I'll I'll be happy with that, and then I get it, it's like, man, this thing would be really cool with a red dot on it. Wait, hold on. Hey, Shane
0: Shane Foster, listen up, because it's not just you.
1: (laughs) And then I get my red dot, and it's like, oh, this red dot is so cool, but you know, it'd be even cooler, a magnifier. (laughs) That's right. And then it's just... Okay, what's next? Adam 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 Gardner told me (laughs) whenever I got my AR that I was starting down a very very dangerous, financially crippling path, (laughs) and he was so correct.
0: Yeah. I know I, I've got my setup. Which uh, I went, so when I when I decided that I really wanted to build a good fighting rifle, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I want a I want a rail that's free floated, not touching the barrel. I want this kind of the grip. I want this kind of stock. I want this kind of optic. I want this light, and I want this pressure pad to activate the light. Once I have that, I'm set up. That's what I want. And now I have that rifle. I have. And <laughs> so you're like, let me spray paint it camo. And that's right, so I spray painted the camo. And now I'm like, okay, I really want a suppressor. Now I'm going to put a suppressor on it. I hadn't even thought about that. And then after I get the suppressor, then I'm going to want night vision. And then when I get night vision, I'm going to want to put an on-gun infrared laser to shoot with uh, passively with the night vision. And then once I get the night vision, I'm probably going to realize that the optic I have on it is dr- trash. So I'm going to sell that optic and and get a neotech again. So I can shoot passively with with uh, my night vision and the laser. And then I'm gonna get body armor. And then I'm gonna get radios. Yeah. And it's just never ending, you know, like you can constantly get that next thing. When, you know, I can remember in high school when I drew up my dream rifle. Now I have that dream rifle. And now I'm I'm, I'm, I'm drawing up my next dream setup. (laughs) Now you probably know a lot more than you did. I did. Part of that is because now it's true, I know a lot more. But it's also like, it's just, again, to illustrate, if you put your hope in a gun setup or a job or an experience, ultimately that's just distracting from the reality that we are all finite human beings that will eventually meet our death. And unless you decide that Jesus is your Lord you will die hopeless Mm -hmm. and with
1: with recognizing that Jesus is Lord and putting your faith and trust in him as you as you read and study the scriptures you are going to experience that that just wanting more Mm -hmm. of, of Christianity but it's going to be and increasing happiness. Yeah. Where it's building off each other. And I mean, obviously you're going to go through trials, but I mean, you're going to go through trials in life anyway. But are you going to yeah. go through them with or without hope?
0: Yeah. I was about to say, yeah. Is it going to be a hopeful suffering? Yeah. Or is it going to be a, what's the point to my pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, we just droned on quite a little bit about my... Point. I'd, so
1: say that what, a, well, I'd say that we went on some pretty good I, rabbit holes, and now all I want to do is do a rifle breakdown. So oh we, de- we got to do that at some point in the future.
0: Hey, yeah, if you guys if you guys uh, want us to do a rifle breakdown, let us know. I'm, uh, we're going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah, we're definitely going to do it. we got to do a pistol breakdown, too. we got yes. them displayed in
0: the rear. You'll have to see our setup uh, and look at our YouTube channel. Shoot, shovel, and shut up on YouTube. It's the same icon as the Spotify app. Yes, sir. So, uh, like, subscribe, comment. All right, Donovan, what do you got to talk about? Isn't it uh, fly fishing Yeah, I've been uh, been fly fishing.
1: Awesome. Um, just want to talk about that a little bit, what I like about it, uh, why I prefer it over other types of fishing. Um. Yeah, what time are we at? Yeah. Come on. We're 44 minutes in. I love it. Yeah. So we can talk about fly fishing and wrap if I'd say
0: ah yeah we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see it's, where, my time's yeah. feeling
1: pretty good man yeah so I recently I've been into fly fishing for probably about a year uh, I think it's been a year since I got my fly rod but it wasn't well, until so real,
0: real, real quick before yeah, you yeah, get yeah. A, so you've been into fly fishing for a year but how long have you been fishing I've been fishing since I was little little Okay, so this isn't something that you just picked up and then got into fishing through fly fishing. No, no, no. You've been I, conventional fishing for a while. I've been into fishing, but fly fishing was just something
1: that I didn't really care to get into mm. until one year for Christmas. I, I guess I mentioned to my dad that I wanted a fly rod, mm-hmm. and he remembered that. And I'm so glad he did <laughs> because it has become one of my absolute favorite hobbies awesome. that I do. Like I was out today, um, just a little bit after work. Um I was just out there with some flies that I tied uh, this past weekend in preparation for this time to get to go out and fish. I had my tobacco pipe out there with me. Nice. Um uh, We're just puffing on my pipe uh, and just, just by this stream, just fishing with flies that I made. And I have to say, uh, for anybody who fly fishes out there, it is way more fun if you tie your own flies. That's mm-hmm. another thing that I want to do on the YouTube channel is do some some fly tying to tutorials uh uh-huh. um via yeah, tied a copper john which we can get into tied a mop fly um and just the the idea of being able to go to a stream see or right here we're in trout country yeah see what the trout are biting are biting at and then have the supplies to be able to go to my truck or something where I have all my equipment and tie a replica of what
0: they're biting at, and cast into it. Oh my god! Because trout are finicky, man. I mean, all fish are, but trout. it feels like maybe because of the fly game um, are. It's it's this is highlighted. But in mm-hmm. case you didn't realize, uh, fish can be really picky. Like sometimes they're keyed in on eating bait fish. Sometimes they're keyed on on eating a specific insect. They're not just. It's not just a case of if you throw a lure out, they're going to eat the lure. Uh, you so for when you when you get into fishing, you realize that. Okay, I've got to figure out what with the temperature of the water, the uh, cloud cover, uh, humidity, humidity, uh, time of year, time of day, time of day, even yeah, Um, where the light
1: or the direction that the light is shining into the water. Like there is so much that goes into
0: it, and what the fish is eating. So you have to, for fly fishermen, like the 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 benefit is to be able to say, okay, I'm going to witness what these fish are going after, and then if you're a good tire you can tie a an nap and, 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 and then that, that's what for me I don't I don't have a lot of like that doesn't have a lot of appeal for me like I like catching the fish oh, I, 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 can, I, I can understand where you're coming from I'll get you into it maybe maybe I do have a fly rod and I enjoyed for me the, the what, what I have enjoyed about fly fishing I've been getting into it recently myself um, and for me it's just been learning how to cast it so for me it's not so much about getting a, uh, a fly that they'll eat like if somebody hands me a fly and say I tied this and they're going to eat it I'm like great but for me, what's way more satisfying is being so good with my rod that I can just lay that thing right up where I know the fish are hiding. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then and then has seen them eat it, and just like oh, if I... so it's it's kind of the same thing where you make your 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 fly, knowing they're gonna eat it, and then that's really satisfying. Me knowing that if oh if I had not cast it there. If I wasn't able to put my fly right there. That's what that's what
1: gets me. See, but I think you are missing out on like a whole might different be. world of, might be. of just thinking like the fish. Mm. And being like just making something. There's just seeing what they think looks tasty
0: mm-hmm. and being able to replicate that. That's power. And just oh my gosh. It is
1: so cool.
0: Well and it might I mean I it, it, it might be because I'm approaching it like a conventional fisherman. Because while we're not making our own stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going, okay. There is still the element of seeing what they're eating and seeing what time of year it is. Like, okay, I'm going to target it because I know this time of year. Smallmouth bass, for instance, are going to be crushing crayfish and small bait fish on the bottom in rock piles. And so I go out and buy lures that represent that. Mm-hmm. But then for me, like, with the conventional gear, it's all about the cast and it's all about the presentation, which are also present in fly fishing. Uh, and so maybe my right now with my... Slow transition, the things that I love about fly fishing also relate to the things I love about conventional fishing. Yeah. And so the more I get into fly fishing, who knows? You might con- you might convince me that time flies is legit. I'm going to try to, because I grew up just fishing with like a worm and a bobber. Mm.
1: And so which, that, was, that was. Which, just, by the way,
0: if you're a fisherman, you can't appreciate fishing with a bait and a bobber. Mm-hmm. And you can quit. Because that is a tremendous amount of fun watching that bobber go down. Oh, it's so
1: exciting! Anyway,
0: yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's what I always fish until
1: I moved here and started fishing streams and just moving water and realizing a you know, bobber is not going to cut it. Yeah, um, and so just learning more about it and getting into fly fishing and then just realizing it takes so much more like technique mm-hmm. and um, I feel like because of all the effort that I'm putting into you know tying something that I think they're going to eat. Um, and just doing anything I can to try to be smarter than the fish when I'm in the fish, the fish's element and mm-hmm. territory. Um, there's just so much more satisfaction that comes from catching a fish on something that I tied after spending mm-hmm. hours dedicated to practicing the the roll cast or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I I recommend fly fishing to anybody. There's so much fulfillment that comes with it, and it is even though I didn't catch anything today. Where it was just, it was the wrong time of day, and I just, you know, the, the flies that I tied today, I just looked them up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, my flies held together, and they, they casted really well, had good weight, um, good, they were aerodynamic. Mm. Like, it was, it was a very fulfilling day of not catching anything, because yeah. I feel like I did I did what I could correctly. And I took a lot of pride in that. And it, it, re, it was really an art form rather than just going out and, and fishing to try to catch something.
0: Well, I think that's what's awesome about fishing, too, is, like, uh, I feel like fishing is the better version of golf. Like both Elaborate on okay. that a little bit. Just think about it. Think about it for a second. Fishing is the superior version of golf. Both, both involve a lot of money yeah to get into yeah you know like like you have to spend some money to get into the sport um, and fishing is a sport um, but uh, and it, people go out to relax like most everyone who fishes there are very few at least I guess I can't say there's very few people who make money off of fishing because that still does exist but nobody makes well I'd say the same ratio of people make money off of fishing as make money off of golfing you know you got pro golfers But most people who go out do it for a Saturday thing. They go out for a whole day. They spend their money and they go out and they golf. Mm -hmm. But it's frustrating. Like how many people go out and be like, "Man, I lost so many balls today. Man, I I got a crappy score. You know everything like that. It's hard to talk to somebody and they didn't enjoy their day of fishing. And uh, you're spending a whole day outside. Yeah, which
1: is is already going to boost your mood on the water. On the water, it's relaxing.
0: Yep. You don't have to talk S- S- to golf anybody. Golf is stressful. <laughs> it's actually, fishing is better if you don't talk to anybody. Absolutely. Like, if you and I go out fishing, we will say very few words to each other, but we'll really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that fishing is just the better version of golf. Um, and, but the reason I say that is uh, I watched, um, I heard a story of somebody that was a really big golfer. Uh, but you know how there's a lot of times a lot of ponds on golf mm-hmm. courses? Uh, he saw somebody fishing in one of those ponds. Yeah. And so he was having a really frustrating day on the golf course. Sure. And he went down and talked to this guy. He's like, Hey, man, man, <laughs> I used to be a golfer, but man, you catch one of these fish and you're going to throw your golf clubs away and buy a bunch of fishing rods. <laughs> and sure enough, he the guy let him borrow a rod and he was cast and a big old bass came up and smoked that. You know, he Come caught, on. He caught it and he, sure enough, he, he converted right away. And he said, Man, I would take a day, a whole, I would take committing an entire day to fishing rather than a entire day golfing any day. And there might be some golfers out there who disagree with me who are really fulfilled by golfing, but, man, going out there and finding a way to outsmart fish and catching them, even if you're just doing it to release them later, you know, it's like, that's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. The fight is fun. Being out on the water is fun. Being knowledgeable enough to seek out those fish, I think is really satisfying. So, I've spent
1: an entire day out on a lake before and not caught anything Mm -hmm. and did not feel like I wasted any time. I didn't feel like I wasted a day because I didn't catch anything. That seemed like a day well spent, a day of meditation yeah. just getting to be in the Lord's creation. Yeah, And it's I think you can't beat it.
0: And I think maybe some of my country boys coming out at me because golf courses are like synonymous with development. Mm-hmm. And you know to, to make a golf course, you kind of have to eliminate, like it's not a natural environment. Like people from the city, it's going to feel like a pretty natural environment because, you know, you're, you're golfing on grassy fields. You know, you got bodies of water around you. typically have stands of trees. Yeah. So, but, 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 ultimately, like, honestly, like, it's a very unnatural environment. You know, it's very man-made. It's very manicured. So, I think I just don't like it for that reason. <laughs> so. Yeah. I've never golfed. Me neither. I've mini-golfed. Mini-golf is the bomb. I, I do love me some mini-golf. Some putt-putt? Come on. Yeah. Maybe
1: I'll, maybe I'll try golf one day and then I can... Actually, criticize it, but I, I don't think I'll like it.
0: I mean, I'm blind in one eye, and dealing with those things, dealing with like you know, ball sports and having no depth perception because I have one eyeball that functions, mm-hmm. like ping pong, for instance, very frustrating sport for me. Uh, <laughs> so, I think I'm just uh, naturally biased against something like golf, right? Right, um, but yeah, do you have anything else you want to talk about, Donnie?
1: No. I'm content.
0: Are you?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, Well, I just want to go back out and go fishing again.
0: Oh, dude, we need to go fishing together. (sighs) Soon. Yeah. It's supposed to be warm this week. Is it? Like, tomorrow, uh,
1: probably during my lunch break, tomorrow it's supposed to rain, and it'll be 60 degrees at 12 (sighs) o'clock. I hate
0: that.
1: So, I... You better believe that I'm going to tie me some nymphs, because... Um, That's just what the season is. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, I need to double check that. But uh, I say, a, I thought, a nymph, I the nymph, a nymph kind of resembles like an egg. Okay. Um. So being being like the colder season, that's, you're not really going to see them going for any like mayflies or anything because or, nothing's hatched. Right. Uh. So they'll probably be going for some nymphs. So I'm going to tie a few of those tonight, go out during my lunch break tomorrow because it'll be warmer and the trout will be more surfaced. hmm if I catch something, you'll see it on Instagram.
0: Heck yeah. Uh, have you fished and done anything with um, Clouser minnows? I don't know what those are. You don't know what those are? No, I don't Those of. are like the. Like, if you're going to tie a bait fish fly, mm-hmm. that is like the bait fish fly. Like, people catch everything on Clouser minnows. Mm. And people use them for bass fishing, people use them for trout fishing, people use them for musky fishing, and people use them in the ocean to catch tarpon. Mm-hmm and to catch tuna and to catch like the clouser minnow is like the the jack of all trades streamer fly
1: mm. uh
0: and so you should look them up i think i agreed. will yeah, yeah, yeah clouser minnows are awesome they're weighted. they're weighted they're a little weighted you know so they have some really good action mm-hmm. uh, but they're like they're typically about this big okay and uh that was one of the first uh flies that was given to me by a buddy who really likes tying uh my my friend who who is a listener to this podcast uh tanner kelsey uh he uh he fly he ties uh, musky flies and he sells them to a bait shop and makes a lot of money off of it all right Uh, so yeah i'll put you in contact with him i think uh,
1: yeah actually uh let's go ahead and move into that part of the the podcast yeah um we want to invite oh
0: hold on we got a we got a uh we're going to cut this part out because I wasn't sure where we were going with that. <laughs> so you can pause it. Oh, hold on. So we've cut all that out. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into that part of the podcast. Um, Way to segue into it with me, Oren. Sorry, I had no idea where you are going with that, and I wasn't sure what to say. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up. And like and subscribe thank you Braden, for reminding me uh like and subscribe and share share this junk on instagram after you get into this episode put it up on your story and say you enjoyed listening to it or that it sucked and well actually don't say that i'm just trying to you know every well a thumbs up or a
1: thumbs or a thumbs down is better than nothing that's right
0: all press is better than no press yeah rate us on
1: spotify, rate us on spotify yeah and then they hit that little notification bell. Yeah, uh, on both Spotify stay, and YouTube, so you stay up to date on whenever we upload stuff. And if you
0: want us to talk about things, we would love suggestions. Uh, DM so, us on
1: Instagram at shoot shovel and shut up. That's
0: right, and we'll get back to you because we don't have a lot of people DMing us, so we will definitely see it and respond. Um, and eventually, we're going to try and have stickers mm-hmm. and merch. And so if you, uh, when we get when we get those, then we will send. We'll give you a shout out on the podcast, and we'll send those stickers to you.
1: I do want to say we are getting more and more people viewing each week. So, thank you um, so much yeah, for all you guys for viewing, for telling your friends uh, and spreading the word about the podcast. We have a lot of fun doing it and we hope you have a lot of fun listening.
0: Honestly, we we'd probably do this if nobody listened because it's a lot of fun to make. The, the the whole process is fun, but having you guys along for the ride is is just it's it's unexpected, honestly, the amount of people who listen and we we're we're now really driven to make a good show for you guys. So, thank you. Godspeed. All right, everybody, we've gotten to that point in the podcast. You know what time it is now if you've been listening for the last three episodes. Now it's time to invite somebody. So, Donovan, just like we referenced in this episode, my buddy Tanner Kelsey, who lives in Hayward, Wisconsin, he is a um, correctional officer and a sheriff's deputy who works for the Sawyer County um, uh, Sheriff's Department, mm-hmm. um, and he's a dear friend of mine. I've known him for most of my life. Uh, he actually was one of the, the two brothers who helped set up um, that ice fishing trip for me over Christmas. Uh, he's an awesome guy, and he ties some really awesome flies. And so we would like to invite him to uh, Tanner. You got to get your butt down to North Carolina. I'll take you fishing. Me and, me and Donovan will take you fishing to uh, get get on them uh, mountain trout, and then we'll have you on the podcast.
1: If you get down here when it's warm, and we might as well just go whitewater rafting.
0: Yes. That would be a lot we'll of make, fun. Whitewater rafting, hiking, make a whole week trout of fishing, it. and podcasting. Love you guys.